0: Hi, this is Alexandra Zajikowski. I'm a product manager at Stavi. Welcome to FinSide Chats.
1: Welcome to the FinSide Chats podcast. This podcast is for the relentlessly curious and dives headfirst into the timely and complicated topics that live and breathe in the FinTech, startup, and mortgage lending spaces.
0: We're excited to be here today, again, with another repeat visitor, uh, Shane Hartzler, who's uh, Stavvy's Chief Strategy Officer. Um, And uh, interestingly, among many of the other things that you do, Shane, uh, you're also a member of the North Carolina eMortgage Closing Advisory Committee, which I didn't know until five minutes ago, and maybe I should have. So tell us about it. Sure. So the committee was put together four or five years ago, I think now.
2: So North Carolina was one of the first states uh, as uh, e-mortgages were coming back along. And again, when the CFPB was thinking through some of their pilots around why they were driving for e-mortgages. And so the North Carolina and the Secretary of State Lean, who was there was working with them and they had sort of a vision that they wanted to be at sort of the forefront of states as they were driving Bury Mortgage. And so they formed a committee, they did some pilots, they had some lenders that were there and they were trying. But the overall goal of the state is what they wanted to do was bring together all of the different stakeholders that were going to help to drive adoption. So they have the realtor community. They have attorneys, title and settlement lenders, and then they had uh, various technology providers as well. And so I, in the role working at at Fannie Mae when we were driving eMortgage there, they had representatives from Fannie, from Freddie, and from Ginny all there as well, representing the investor uh, committees uh, to be able to, to sort of talk about that as well. And so what the goal was, was bring all of these groups together and have them all come into one place to help drive adoption that way.
3: Does the group have like a, do you guys have a nickname for the group? Is it like the MCAC E mortgage closing advisory committee, or is it, is it just that whole thing? I think
2: it's that whole thing.
3: Wow, that's pretty yeah, yeah,
2: cool. yeah. And again, I mean, you know, taking nothing away from North Carolina, but maybe they didn't want to have like a an acronym because you know,
0: yeah, hey, yeah, that's like a big win in the in the government world. Is, I like it. You know, just having a name that isn't fancy, like you know, I'm sure somebody co- could have come up with like a name that was like
3: Note, right. Yes, like so, North Carolina. Oh, my. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Shane, what's, like, how has North Carolina gone about this differently? So I think the first thing was the fact that they brought together
2: all of those stakeholders and they sort of said, hey, how do we go about driving this across all of the different communities that, that had, to, had to do with adoption? I think some of the other states didn't have sort of the same sort of approach, which was, well, we need to bring all of these folks together and think about it all uh, at, at one time in one place and try to drive that versus some of the states kind of put the legislation out there, but then they weren't necessarily driving it. And so you don't necessarily see some of that same uh, move to action.
3: What a fascinating uh, idea, right? Let's get all the people that would be involved and make them part of the solution. Hmm. I mean, it, 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 mm. seemed it, it seemed to work for them. Insert sarcasm. What do you do?
0: on the committee like how often does it meet what's your what's your role these days we're fascinated tell us more so 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 it, it sort of depends i did uh one year i
2: did sort of meet with there, there's a couple of uh in, of individuals within north carolina who are helping to drive the committee so uh one of them is ozzy
0: stalworth ozzy i've met him a few times uh through mismo uh and he is the electronic notarization and notary enforcement director He's one of the drivers
2: of it. Uh, and then uh, Ken Sykes, who's also the head of business development SVP. And again, we can get his title, the head of SVP for uh, North State Bank. But what they did was they were really driving sort of the agenda in terms of who needs to be on the committee, how often do we meet? And and so a lot of the the committee meetings, we, we've met maybe every six months, maybe every year or something like that. You know, During COVID, it was a little bit more. But the goals is really to ask What more can we do as a state uh, to really help to drive adoption? And so like coming out of the last advisory committee that we had, one of the things that people sort of said was having the ability where like on the website or something like that, where we could do education. And so we created an education subcommittee. We started thinking about what sort of materials would need to be like on a website so that people could go and understand that, you know, what's there. And, you know, we talked about like, it, it would need to be, you know, sort of consumer facing and realtor facing and the, the, the different aspects of what that could look like. How long has North Carolina been working on this? So North Carolina has been working on this longer than I had been at Fannie leading the e-mortgage efforts for Fannie. And so that was probably 2015, 2016, uh, the committee probably started. it has been some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so again, I think, you know, they they were one of the first states to really get out um, and, and to move forward in terms of e-closings. Now, what's interesting about North Carolina is there is sort of an ongoing tension that because they're an attorney state, right? Same thing that we're seeing like here in Massachusetts, right? There's the ongoing tension that exists between how do we move forward with digital closings and what do we think about Ron and how do we recognize that that the attorney network, you know, how do we, you know, sort of go to um, facilitate sort of these these closings while still recognizing that the attorney's playing an important role in the closing and that we want to be able to recognize and and allow for that as well. Again, we recognize the attorney states are there's a block of states where as we think about sort of Ron legislation and as we sort of wrestle with how you how you put that together, there's certainly the attorney states are sort of there's There's a large block where they're still struggling with how do I think about Ron relative to you know what's going on what's going on with the bar? and I think those are good conversations
3: to be having, and I think North Carolina is trying to think about that just like a, a number of the other states and I think it's great that they're that they're thinking about it and talking about it and bringing all the various stakeholders together. I think you know, i I can say more because I'm an attorney, I'm a former conveyancer, right? like you know we passed uh I think Governor Romney some changes to some of the notary laws, this issue around like having a journal comes up, right? Yep. And you have the attorneys going nuts, like a journal, like, you know, uh, attorney-client privilege, this and attorney-client um, conversations. And then why do I need to keep a journal? And so where do we land? Well, you know, we land with Massachusetts. Attorneys don't have to keep a journal, but every other notary does. Um, and so... It really sort of, you know, starts to beg the question, now that we're looking at Ron, the horse has left the barn, right? This is not a function of trying to stop it in attorney states. It's a function of having the attorneys have a seat at the table, right? Correct. That's right. That's exactly right. What are you concerned about? Let's talk about it. By the way, great time for you to bring up any other problem you have around sort of the conveyancing piece. And let's look at how, you know, we can use the technology to help you too.
2: Correct. That's right. That's exactly where, you know, what I would say that North Carolina wants to do is they want to be very purposeful and very thoughtful around sort of what that process looks like. And it's not just necessarily what's it going to mean for the for the attorney, but how do we think about sort of the the technology providers that are out there? How do we make sure, you know, how do we think about vetting them and that, you know, that having that that we are as we put together a program for our constituents that it's a program that everybody sort of is going to benefit from it and i think that's that's what they've been trying to do is is to think about how's the best way that we can do that on on behalf of our state constituents. Yeah.
3: And that makes sense. I mean, i when i was in law school, he's passed Charlie Kindrigan, former judge, family law judge, had written books on family law in Massachusetts. You know, the biggest takeaway from his classes were What's in the best interest of the child? Right. And so when we look at the analogous sort of conversation here, what's in the best interest of the consumers? That's right. How do we protect our consumers? And if this is a heavily, uh, a state that has required attorneys to be involved, whether it be through you know, certifications of title or whether it be um, you know through other requirements that exist either in custom or, uh, or that have been reduced to a, from a legislative perspective, good funds laws, how do we keep those intact and uh, how do we support them in a, in a digital world? Correct. Yep, that's exactly right. So should other states be emulating this?
2: So there's a couple of ways that I would answer that. The first is I think it behooves all of us to continue to, I mean, we we sort of jokingly said about it, you know, earlier, but the more you can bring together all of these different parties who are all part of the process and get them all together in one place, it's going to be better for everyone. Right. So yes, yeah, should states be emulating that? I mean, obviously I would think so, because I'd love to know that the realtor community is in conversation with, you know, lenders and with title companies such that everybody sort of understands the benefits and everybody's uh, working towards the same goals. I think that, you know, again, that benefits everyone. So I'd love to see that. I think even these conversations that we're having right now that we're having around what's the role of the attorney in all this, I, I think those are valuable sort of conversations and we should keep raising and asking those questions and trying to get to the point where we can get to some consistency. I think that's the other piece of this that's interesting is this is very much sort of a a state-driven piece right now. And so if we're going to be at the point where we recognize that different states are going to have different processes, then the more than we can come together and hear from particularly lenders or technology providers that are seeing sort of the gamut across and the more you can have consistency across that, which again is, is one of the things that if you think about like some of the Ron, you know, the model legislation that, you know, that MBA and Alta and others were trying to do was let's at least try to have some consistency across or some standards such that at least everybody understands you can have the nuances uh, that recognize sort of different state processes while still managing to a common framework across the board. What are your thoughts
3: on the other attorney states?
2: This is more, again, when I was at Fannie, I would go and have conversations with representatives from the different states. I think there are some states that are further along, and I think there are some states that honestly, like when I talk to folks that are there, they're like, look, it's going to be a little bit yet. I think the point that you said was, was right, was you need to involve the bar in the conversation and figure out where, where some of their objections are. I think the other thing is there is a natural sort of education piece, which is don't just sort of throw up your hackles and be like, oh, either they're coming to take my job or I don't want to do that. Like who's going to represent the, you know, my client or there's some natural sort of objections that are also things that you can easily sort of work around or talk through in terms of what the process looks like. And some of that
0: is an education piece as well. If you could go back to 2015, 2016, when whenever North Carolina started this, is there any advice that you could give them that would help this move along? Obviously, you've been working on this for a long time, but is there anything that, um, Anything that you've learned, you know, over the past six, seven years where you feel like, you know, going back in time, we could accelerate things? They
2: had the right idea. And again, like when I think about sort of the goals, because because again, if you think back to like where we were 2013, 2014, like it was the start of TRID. It was very much sort of, you know, CFPB was coming out with, you know, you know no before you owe and some of those pilots. Like they had a lot of momentum. There was a lot of good reasons for why they were driving that. I think it... It maybe would have been good if they could have gotten some additional, again, in retrospect, what are the things that we always need for adoption, right? We need lenders who are willing to go forward and are, you know, taking steps there. And you need the title and settlement community and the attorneys to really, you know, sort of drive forward as well. And I think when we first started, I think there was a lot of skepticism I would say within within title and settlement, I don't think you had a lot of lenders that were necessarily ready to go there. We're now in a better place, and so that's the only thing is if there could have been incentives is the wrong word, but continuing to do work like I think it's that like what we saw what we saw in North Carolina is the same thing that we sort of see from lenders and from a lot of other states, which is they do a pilot, they do one or two transactions, but then then we need to sort of keep moving and keep going and try to figure out how we build upon that. And I think what happened in North Carolina a little bit was they, you know, we did a couple of pilots, but then there wasn't enough momentum and there wasn't enough sort of energy behind that from other lenders to sort of keep that going. I blame Kyle Stevenson. I mean, he was there. He really should have been doing a lot more. He, by the way, as a, as a side note, he and Ozzy go back along, like even before Ron was a thing uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, Kyle really should have had the vision and been, been driving things a lot
3: more than he did. We're going to find out if Kyle listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> there you go. And Ozzy. And Ozzy. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Ozzy on the show. one day. We should get Ozzy on the we show. We should absolutely
2: that. get Ozzy on the show.
3: Sam, what are your thoughts now? So, you know, looking forward now, we're seven years going into almost eight years mm-hmm. since you guys got together. How is title and settlement reacting? What is their general tone and how has that evolved, changed, retracted? This is a really interesting
2: question. And what I, the way I'm going to answer this is, so I went to and I spoke at one of the Alta conventions. This was back, I don't know, two, again, 2016, 2017, something like that. And this was just when Ron was starting to come out. And I was on a panel with a number of the other underwriters and there was a very definite sort of tension on the panel between some of the underwriters who were, you know, like ready to step in and be like, hey, like we need to embrace this, not just digital closings, but we need to do digital closings. We need to do run like this is the future, like this is where we're going. And there was definitely sort of another side of the room, which was no, we need to be careful, there are risks, like let's let's go slow, let's really examine this. And the difference I would say that, I've, that we've seen in the last three to four years with lenders and title is, title from what I've seen is now like fully on board in terms of digital closings and Ron, and they're the ones who are now saying, I'm ready to go, let's, let's do this. How do I go talk to lenders? How do I start to do this? And it's the lenders who are still not necessarily there or still holding back. And so that's where, like, there's always been sort of this finger pointing between lenders and titles saying, you know, I'm ready. You're not ready. And, and titles saying, I'm ready. Hey, lender, what are you doing? I will say it feels to me like title and settlement is much more, at least sort of at an organizational level. You may go to like individual mom and pops, but at an in- at an organizational level, title and settlement is much more ready to do this than I would say the lending community.
0: You know, it's it's really interesting having been to a few a uh, few events recently where the attendees are in the title and settlement space. One of the things that's, things that's been really interesting is. Definitely everything you just said is true, but there's also a degree of anxiety now about the fact that they might have to learn how to use six or seven or eight different tools, right? So they're going to have the tool that they want to use, right? But then what happens when they are supporting a lender that wants that says, hey, you need to use this vendor. And another lender says, you need to use that vendor. And so it's interesting because we're experiencing an entirely different form of fragmentation right now in that
3: space. I'm just going to add that, like, you know, you started seeing underwriters say, oh, we want to you know, we want to have a vendor that we approve to now, we'll approve as many vendors as we have to, we're going to be agnostic. So that's a different sort of, you know, it's coming at it from a different angle. It
2: is. So, so what's interesting is there's, there's a couple of really interesting dynamics that are happening as a result of what you just said. So the first is you're starting to see sort of this bifurcation in terms of what systems you're using and what's, so one of the things, like I, like I was at a, I was speaking with a, uh, down in Florida with title and, and Settlement folks. And what they're basically saying is, I want lenders to actually bifurcate the process. Like, let me worry about just the recordable docs and the notarization and you lender, you go and have your system for all of the disclosures and the note and however you want to do it. And I'm absolutely fine to sort of split those apart. As a technology provider, I say, well, there needs to be a like, I'm not sure that that's the most consistent consumer experience like if i was saying how would i want the consumer experience to be i don't know that i think it maybe gets confusing to be like hey sign these docs in the morning including the note and now in the afternoon we're going to come along and we're going to sign these recordable docs and explain again sometimes that that happens anyway but i'd much rather see and this is the challenge to some of i would argue to some of the technology platforms in terms of Creating some standards and some uniformity and things like that. Like, we need to make it so you can sign any of the docs in one platform rather than being like, oh, you can only do
0: this here, and then I'm going to sign these over there. This is um, something that is very interesting. And I haven't, I don't think we've, we've heard a lot of conversation about it. Um, but the uniform standards between Ron providers is something that could be very interesting, right? So the experience on the back end, right? not in the traditional prop tech sense back end, but on uh, the experience that the title company has, right? Or the notary has could be provider A, but the experience that the borrower has could be provider B, right? Seems really hard because there's no standards that bind us together. But when you think about what a remote notarization is, right? And what Mismo tries to accomplish is it's actually making sure that all of these standards are the same. But there isn't, outside of coordination, a reason that you couldn't offer, you know, one platform that the notary uses that they're familiar with that presents the a different experience that the borrower is familiar with across vendors? I think to me, the, the one other
2: piece that, and, and again, this is the reason why I think we're continuing to have some of these adoption questions is it's, it, it ends up at the end of the day, really being about the note, right? Because of some of the standards that are there in terms of it needing to be a smart node, having to have a vault, having to be able to push it into a vault to get it registered and then go through the Mersey registry. I think there are like it, there are just some complications and some manipulations that have to happen that make that process a little bit difficult. And I think that's one of the things that as we as an industry continue to challenge ourselves, I think that's one of the things that we need to think about is can I sign the note? Can I sign the note in any in any platform, somehow get into a vault, get it registered? Like those are the things I think that we still have to continue to work on.
0: What's very, very interesting about this is all of the most complicated parts of this have nothing to do with the notary or consumer experience.
2: Absolutely right.
0: Right, and so one of the things that we as an industry will have to do is figure out how we can have experiences that make sense both for the notaries and for the borrowers and for the lenders. The industry isn't there yet, but it's going to have to be because then I mean you can get to a point where a, a a regional title company might have to have ten different pieces of software to do to do notarizations, right? Things things like that will will create problems as as uh, adoption continues. So I was just up at MBBA the Main Bankers and Brokers Association. I think I got that right. And somebody up there indicated they were tracking 51 different Ron providers. 51? 51 yeah. different Ron providers. Now obviously there's only like, you know, 12 to 15 that are on the, you know, that are on the Mismo the Mismo. Yeah. By MISMO um, but 51 right and so and some are very state specific how this is all going to shake out remains to be seen but i can assure you one thing people are going to get very upset if you're asking them to log into 15 to 20 different systems to do their job that's, that's not scalable agreed and so i think again that's the challenge
2: to a technology provider to the states like that's what we need to be thinking about is how can we put in place some standards and some technologies that guard against some of the hazards that, that are created by by
0: that. And I want to tie it back to what we've been talking about, which is, you know, ultimately, if you want to know how you can force, you know, people that are otherwise competitors to cooperate, this is a perfect area for some degree of regulation, whether it's government regulation or Mismo regulation. Um, you know, the notion of having, uh, and I, you know, should I be saying this as a technology provider that wants to dominate the world? maybe not but in terms of what's in the best interest of our customers in the industry certainly figuring out the right avenue to force the you know most influential providers to have a conversation because once you define a standard right Adopting that standard should be should be relatively easy, and that's that's where we're missing the mark right now. Is we're all we're all out there doing our own thing, and it's it is going to end up causing pain. I, I I think there's some of that. I think the
2: other thing that I would say is like like what I would tell because I again I have I have friends that are at a number of the of the other providers, both because of the work I did at Fannie, as, in, as well as some of the things like with North Carolina, things like that. What I would say is that the thing that we are most competing with right now, and it goes into some of the conversation we just had, and I, and I say this a lot, so it's going to sound like a stereotype, but we are mostly competing right now with the status quo on paper. Like, until we can solve for some of that, and until we create a process that is as easy or easier than just printing out a piece of paper, we're going to lose it anyway. And so let's solve that and let's get adoption and let's be above five or 10% of what's going on in the industry. And then we can start worry about, you know, who's competing with whom and, and, and what some of that looks
0: like.
3: we got to crawl before we walk, baby. Correct.
0: Well, we should be thinking about what walking's like because we should be thinking about what jogging's like. What jogging's oh, like. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, while you're right, there's a lot that we have to do to get adoption up. There's a lot that can happen that will slow adoption down and some of it's predictable. Correct.
3: Well, Shane, um, excited that you were able to do this podcast in person up here in Boston today. Uh,
2: yeah, it, you know, it's only about 20 degrees colder than it was down in Virginia. So I was glad to come up
3: here. We apologize. Yeah, Happy spring. You. Oh, is it spring? I it couldn't is. tell. It All right. Is. Well, in Massachusetts, we say that if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. <laughs>
2: now I will say on Saturday it was snowing down in, in Virginia. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it
3: is. So we're not going to ask you any um, rapid oh, I, don't, I, I don't get any fun nah, questions. I mean, you're kind of, you're a frequent flyer now. We know what you drink. All we, right. We know what seat you like, right? So all right. it's just like, I mean, we could ask you a fun question if you want. Like,
2: I mean, I'm ready to go.
3: Who's your pick in your bracket?
2: Uh, so my, my pick Uh, again, I grew up in Arizona, so I was an Arizona guy Ah. and, uh, that obviously, uh, that obviously didn't happen. So now mostly I think what I want is that I've got to to be very careful when I say this, everybody is like all on the, Oh, wouldn't it be great? Like coach K going out with a win. I assure you, I am not on that. Okay. So, so mostly like I'm on the, like I'm not there. Like he's won enough. Like I don't need him to win one more, like as this sort of great standoff, whatever. So I'm mostly just cheering against whoever Duke is playing. Uh, Welcome to the feeling of a Maryland fan. Correct. So there you go. And again, the, I, I, and, again and I'm a UVA guy too. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm never, I mean, it's kind of hard. The fact that I've got both UNC and, and Duke, but I, I definitely want to see one of them lose more than the
0: other. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're playing each other in the final four. Correct. Okay.
3: Should be exciting.
0: Should be exciting. Well, on that note, Shane, thank you. Uh, thank you as always for joining us and talking about your fun topics of the day, like the North Carolina uh,
2: e-closing advisory uh, committee. Yeah, we yeah. love hey.
3: e-closing in general and how you, yeah. as George Bush would say, how you do strategery strategery. here. Strategy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you. I, uh, I
2: enjoyed it as always.
1: Thanks for the download. For every podcast episode, please visit stavy.com forward slash dash chats or join us on your favorite podcast platform. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only and cannot be copied or broadcast without the consent of Stavy Incorporated. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide specific legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any products or business. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of Stavy. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, We welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors.